There we are. We let Father Christmas in, Sheldon. Fantastic. We're looking forward to seeing a few people in red <laughs> flowing around. <laughs> it's very enlightening. I am speaking to uh, Sheldon, who's in the studio today, Sheldon Smith, uh, talking about what happens here at Curtin University. This is incredible. I love your T-shirt. Curtin Thank University you. and Pride, which is very, very important. Just tell us about the connection with Curtin University. And, and you mentioned you go outside of the university other than students and speak. Absolutely. Who, who too? Yeah. Who too? So, look, we, we do a lot of work. Um, um, our colleagues and I do a lot of work specifically in the resource sector, so training people, um, uh, exactly what we spoke about off air, uh, creating respectful workplaces. So a program designed uh, for people to know and understand that multiculturalism and that the resource sector is not a single gender or a single culture or a single qualification type of, of person entering so understanding that there's a wide range of people coming in, um, understanding that it's no longer just a male-dominated industry, um, and then obviously the impacts of that that flow out from the workplace uh, into our homes and into society and culminating in, in a lot of family and domestic violence or intimate partner violence as well. So the program starts off addressing these behaviours but also then talks about how these behaviours extend and actually create um, you know, a, lot of, uh, a lot of major problems for our society, for, for our peacekeeping, our law. Um, you know, our law enforcement system within Australia. So it starts off in the workplace yeah. and then we can take that home and amplify that, teach our kids, teach our family, use our sphere of influence mm. to make Australia, to make Western Australia a better place. Interesting because many decades ago this would never have happened. What's the, what's the reaction from the people like that you speak to? I think that you know conversations like these are quite confronting because although um, intimate partner violence, domestic violence um, and any form of violence related to someone's um, diversity has been around since time and more and we've, yeah. we've had it for, forever. But I think what we haven't had is the conversation. So I think that a lot of uh, folks are affronted and, and they're quite confronted by the conversations and, um, you know, the, the resources. But once they see that everyone has a responsibility to, to eliminate the violence that we actually see permeating our society, that mm-hmm. they actually do take the – they take charge. They take that personal leadership that uh, is really core to, to our programs. We can't operate unless folks leave our trainings knowing that they have a sphere of influence and they have personal leadership, which they need to enact because unless we act on these uh, you know even these small words or objectification of women um, or violence against men um, unless we actually act on this and talk about it mm-hmm. um, and actually bring these conversations into the limelight we're not going to really solve the we, problem we have come a long way I mean it was never ever discussed uh, domestic violence at home and women living and men being hurt and that sort of thing but it's, it's great you are making progress and you feel confident about it do you I think yeah, we, we're starting to see you know popping up all over Australia. Our program, we work in partnership with Griffith University, which is on the eastern uh, seaboard, um, and we're starting to see that there is a, a lot of penetration into a wide range of sectors. So um, we've just come back from some work in Indonesia where we are working with an Australian company um, that is training their folks that they employ in Indonesia on how to be more respectful specifically to women in the workplace so that the resource sector in Indonesia, I mean, as you know, the, the society there is a lot more conservative than it is here in Australia. But coming back from from a training like that and actually seeing the impact of, of the work and the fact that we really just opened the door for that continued conversation Gosh, is really um, quite quite rewarding for someone who works in education is that that's our job is to kind yeah. of, you know, start those conversations.
conversations or give folks the resources and tools to continue the conversations and then to kind of adapt it to their and not all of us are ready for the amount of change that I would expect or that you might expect Jenny but mm-hmm. creating the platform for folks to actually um, effect change in their own way so developing their own way because forward. their religion and culture sometimes doesn't allow for that change I think that you know what, what what we try and do is we try and tailor our programs so that they uh, they kind of you know it's an umbrella effect over religion over culture over language over any kind of generational differences or interpretations to say that violence of any sort is bad and in any society no one wants to see their mum or their brother or someone that they love being hurt or kind of as a, at the victim of, of someone else's hand so it's around creating that universal understanding that no matter what our history said and no matter what we used to do we just simply don't do it around here like that anymore. Mm. Conversation is a good thing. It's a yeah, very good 100%. thing. Now, I remember speaking to somebody a few weeks ago about the online 16 Days of Violence program. That's right, yeah. What's come out of that? I think that, you know, it's it's part of an, an awareness campaign that we run here in WA. Um, you know, in WA and, and Queensland are notoriously, we have notoriously high levels of uh, of of harm perpetrated against women. Yeah, we, we know and understand that most violence happens between men or groups of men, but we also know and understand that there is violence that happens within the domestic situation, so violence at home um, and intimate partner violence as well. So um, in Australia, um, you know, 15, 15 women are, are hospitalised per day oh my in cases of violence. And I think that, you know, when we look at the continuum of violence around how language changes into action and if no one actually steps up and, and causes a, a fracture in that continuum or stops those behaviours, those uh, you know, those objectification, racist jokes, cycle, sexist jokes, it? it just gets more and more, you know, it picks up power, it picks up momentum and, and the harm at the end of the continuum is, is far more um, you know, impactful than you know, being brave for one moment and actually calling some behaviours out. So yes, it is embarrassing and yes, it is difficult and it's all of those things that we know it is, but I think that um, when we look at the cycles of violence or the continuum of violence, we see that, you know, time for us to stop telling jokes that are sexist, that racist and you know sexist towards men and those who identify as men and to those who identify as women it's just not acceptable anymore no well you know i think and through education and a lot more for you all in the past how big's your team by the way well, we have a fairly small team, so we use a lot of uh, contractors. So within the diversity, inclusion, belonging team, there's probably uh, four of us all up that uh, do the training in, internally at the yeah. university and do some external work as well. Uh, but we have a, a large number of contractors that are trained up in a variety of different types of skills. So uh, folks that have specialised education, specialised in family and domestic violence, or specialised in culture, cross-cultural exchanges. So uh, we would co-opt those folks, and sometimes they're, they're current lecturers uh, at the university as well. Well. So uh, the core team is about four yeah. of us, but we will co-opt and bring people in um, at all sorts of Breaking times. the cycle is the big thing, of course. 100%. Absolutely. So you're looking, do you go to schools? It's a very good question, and we've just started having conversations with a few schools. We're, we're involved in an initial pilot um, with three schools addressing behaviours, so two traditionally Absolutely. boys' yeah. schools and one uh, girls' school where we're going to run a few pilots just to see uh, if students at the year 10, 11 level are ready for these conversations. Uh, so we have a lot of, um, you know, there, there'll be a lot of evaluation of the program, a lot of support, a lot of scaffolding. Obviously, we'd have to remove a lot of the facts, stats, and, and figures that are quite 
um, you know, quite harmful to hear. Yeah. Um, so we also need to make sure that we don't vilify young young men, but we actually empower them to become agents of change. So it's not about going in and blaming the boys. No, no, of such. course not. It's, um, it's around yeah. kind of working together with uh, communities at all levels to ensure that uh, these acts of violence actually It, it, it seems down. fairly obvious that that is the way to go. The younger they are, if they're in a, in a dysfunctional family situation, they may be seeing violence. And if they get themselves angry, upset or whatever, that is their normal outcome. That is the normal outcome. And for the girls, I mean, they can be brutal too. Don't Not for one minute do I say they're yeah. not. They are. And the thing is, they have to uh, identify the red flags. I hate that term, but the things that are done by a partner that they may end up with in the early stages. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and there are signs in the early stages of somebody, man or female, if they uh, their temper control is out of whack. You know, no matter what the relationship is, whether the relationship is, you know, between one gender or one sex or multiple or whether it's in the family, it's all about power and control. So what our program, our program operates on on a number of different levels. It's information for those of us that operate outside of that. So in my world, for instance, I've never been party to family and domestic violence or intimate partner violence. But so it trains me, it teaches me exactly what you're speaking about. It teaches me how to pop up, um, how to see those red flags and how to be active and proactive. Mm -hmm. But what it does too to the people that are the victim survivors that are within the system it teaches them that they are their their concerns are legitimate um, that what they're experiencing is real so largely what we try and do is teach folks to understand the difference between power and control Um, if you and i were in in any form of relationship be it business or in a friendship as long as we have a a kind of 50 50 uh, decision and distribution around power that's fine whether we agree to do the dishes Mm. or we, we agree to do domestic chores that's pretty normal and all of us will face that it's when that power and control goes out of sync and one person has power over the other in in a financial way or using kids family pets isolation religion you know technology abuse so Mm. it's about maintaining and understanding um, that your life may be out of control so we use a power and control mechanism to figure out whether there may be an imbalance i was was talking to a psychologist recently about why is it that people lash out quite badly if they lose control if they've had enough that's it that's a breaking point is it a physical thing or is it is it a, like you said is power control I, I understand is there they don't seem to be able to stop do they look at the murders we've had I think yes and, and you've highlighted some we, we're kind of um, way beyond the national average at the moment so this year alone um, we would have expected around 50 to 60 murders uh, this year alone but we've already surpassed that figure and oh we're only gosh. at the beginning of December um, I think that for me for me the, the fundamental part is the use of language once we dehumanize someone or we objectify someone or we depersonalize our relationship with them, it becomes very easy for us to treat that person as an inanimate object. Yeah, so yeah, to yeah. kick the block, uh, to kick the ball, to smash the window, we we apply those same principles. And I think that uh, we choose violence because our language has dehumanized, our, our language has depersonalized um, and objectified uh, the person. And as I've said uh, you know, earlier, this, this is not just male on female violence, although we've just come out of the, the 16 
days of, of activism for violence against women, um, we know and understand that uh, you know uh, folks are coming out to actually report all sorts of violence from a wide range. Um, so it is that dehumanisation, uh, yeah. I think, the element that then kind of empowers us to to act and to act more violently. And the role of of, of men specifically in this entire framework is to start calling it out and to start saying your language is not acceptable, your behaviour is not to acceptable. another man to to well to other perpetrators, other people, that other perpetrators. And I think that stirring. traditionally this is something we haven't done. No, I haven't. Um, no, and it's quite haven't. challenging for us uh, as men who operate within mm-hmm. society to actually step up. But once again, it goes back to the courageous conversations around our leaders and to see that all of us have a place as a leader. And mm-hmm. you know, we we need to you know to hold these circles of violence, these cycles of violence, these continue because they do uh, they do plague every single one of our lives. If you have a, a bloke and his friend behaves badly to his partner at the time, for them to step up and say something is pretty hard for another person to do because they've got a friendship going or a relationship going with a mate and to say, listen, mate, that is not acceptable, then, they, then, then anything could happen, they feel, from that point. Look, there, there are all sorts of reasons as to why we don't do this. So, yeah. so part of our training is actually going into these these societal kind of uh, you know scripts of why we don't actually operate. So why we don't step in as bystanders and say things. And we address those, and we actually help folks to see and understand that we've all experienced these behaviours. Uh, sometimes I won't say anything because I'm fearful that it would get worse for exactly. the victim survivor. Uh, sometimes I don't really understand the situation. I just see a small behaviour and I'm not sure what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, other times we, we have something that we refer to as pluralistic ignorance where I think you'll do something or you think I'll do something. Hoping or, someone else yeah, will. Or, yeah. or, or looking at it thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm the only one who sees a problem with that. So we teach folks to recognize these behaviors and to actually suppress them and say – but I've seen something that doesn't sit well with me. I need to actually call it out. And mm-hmm. we teach a number of strategies. It sounds easier said than done, and it, it is. You're quite right. But we teach a number of strategies for folks to start practicing in calling behaviors out in ways that suit their personality, that suit uh, their position in society, that kind of just suit yeah. them as, as everyday citizens. Is, is there any advice you give on certain language rhetoric that they should use if someone is in a violent stage at that point and they want the other person protected? Is there anything that they can do to calm it at all? You know, I would I would say that you know even just standing up um, is yeah. is an action. Um, I think that we need to go back to one of the age old adages to say that you know inaction is actually inaction. If I don't do anything, I empower the perpetrator mm-hmm. and I make it more challenging for the victim because the victim or survivor sees that I see that behaviour as acceptable. Mm-hmm. So you know, or I would challenge to anyone to even just stand up or maintain eye contact, but obviously always within you know personal and proximal safety whatever we do we always have to make sure that we're safe if someone is uh, you know if someone is uh, out of control as you said or losing control we have to examine our own personal safety within that circumstance pretty hard well. just a very quick one i've mentioned this before i was on a train trip to Fremantle a few months ago and there was this gentleman an aboriginal gentleman as it turned out was beside the point but he was screaming and yelling and he was drinking and that sort of thing and he was one end of the carriage i was at the other and a young girl was sitting next to me and he started abusing people and he'd down at her and started to come down to abuse her. I'm going to rip your head off and that sort of thing. So I stood up and I said to him, no, you're not going to do that. He said, I'll rip your head off. I said, well, go on, go and do it. And I pushed his face. He's about an inch away from my face. And I pushed his face away and he started crying. 
Yeah, look, you know, I think that those were typical bystander behaviours, so it feels as if you've done our training, so so well well done. (laughs) Well, I didn't know whether it was, as it turned out, two security people got on. They weren't meant to, but they got on and controlled it, and you got put off the train. But, you know, everyone was quiet. They kept putting their heads down to their phone. They weren't going to do anything. This little girl, she was terrified. Yeah, and I think that, you know, once one of us starts doing something, uh, there's a number of uh, scientific experiments that actually tell us that once we start, um, someone else will support us and there will be support. But you know, once again, I can't stress enough that you you do need to be safe. You do need to have other f- uh, people around, um, and you know, and and sometimes we fight, sometimes we flight, sometimes yeah. we fawn, sometimes we freeze, yeah. um, and we shouldn't we shouldn't really put ourselves down for feeling and experiencing those behaviours. They're usually very rational behaviours, um, and we do need to mm-hmm. kind of obey those signs that we get to to make sure that we're safe ourselves, even if it's in a verbal exchange. You know, sometimes we may not have the capacity to actually go into a verbal exchange with someone because our own life. Our, our own lives and our own days have yeah. been stressful enough. Yeah, well, it's pretty hard because it is stressful at the time and it isn't a safety situation when they're threatening to you know, attack you and rip your head off. Uh, but I sort of, anyway, it stopped. We'd stopped it. But uh, I hate bullies. I yeah, can't no. stand bullies. <laughs> and being picking on, picking on people, it's just not on. I think the de-escalation that you demonstrated there is mm. exactly a strategy that uh, that always mm. does work. De-escalating in a way that you feel comfortable to. Yeah. Um, you but know, bullies are cowards. Yeah, 100%. They're all cowards. They want to be strong and be seen that way. So the p- people listening at the moment, if they know of this, if they're experiencing it, I know you go teaching the students and outside, but what about the general public? What do you suggest that they do? There are a number of support lines. So, um, you know, 1-800-RESPECT is a great place to start. Um, we also have the 13-YARN. So uh, for folks, you know, th- this uh this line is manned by folks who identify as First Nations, so they're always able to refer you to a number of different support stru- uh, structures, um, you know, for temporary housing or all sorts of... Uh, 13 YARN. YARN, Y-A-R-N. That's yarn. a Google, just Google yeah. it. Yeah. And um, obviously for folks who who from the LGBTI community, um, Q-Life is a very good point of, of contact. C-U-E? So, um, so no, just the letter Q, Q, so Q and Life. Life, okay. Um, once again, Google all of those, uh, 1-800-RESPECT or 13 Yarn or if you feel you're a victim, correct? You know, there, there are a wide range of, 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 of services out okay. there, hundreds of different types of services. So it's it's always a good idea to start with the 1-800-RESPECT, but, you know, lifelines out there. And obviously, if you're in immediate danger, it's always to, to call the authorities, to, mm. to actually admit the authorities. The world's a big, angry place, unfortunately. We human beings, I've said it a hundred times, we haven't learned a thing. No, you we are, keep you're, learning. You're, making, <laughs> you're working on it, aren't you? And that's why we're at Curtin University. Good so on you, Sheldon. Keep it going. Fantastic. Fantastic. Good work. Sheldon Smith from Curtin University. Curtin.